0: Hello, and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Short Wave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 747 for release on Sunday, June 18th, 2023. On WaveScan today, American radio stations in Australia. We'll continue our conversation with Alan Graham of HCJB in Ecuador. Well, during the hectic and chaotic days of the Pacific War in the middle of last century, American personnel began to flood into the South Pacific by the millions. They invaded Australia, New Zealand and many of the South Pacific Islands and wherever they went they took communication radio with them. Here's Ray Robinson with American Radio Stations in Australia.
1: Thanks Jeff. Back then radio communication was an absolutely urgent necessity in order to regulate the flow of personnel, ships and planes and also to convey important news about events in the Pacific as they were happening to the back home news media. In Australia itself, two or three dozen American communication stations were installed at strategic land-based locations, each of which was established under the overall direction of ACAN, the Army Command and Administrative Network. Even before the arrival in Australia of the famed General Douglas MacArthur in March 1942 – An American Army General, Spencer B. Aiken, visited Australia in advance and installed a 400-watt ACAN communication transmitter into a railway carriage that could ply the railway networks in eastern Australia. Each of the American ACAN communication stations in Australia was granted a US Army communication call sign, some of which were changed at times. Many of the ACAN call signs are known and recognised to this day, though some call signs have been lost, probably forever. An American communication radio station was quickly installed at a Navy base on the outskirts of Darwin in the Northern Territory. This station was on the air initially under the call sign WVJK, and in May 1942 it carried the last American communication traffic from the island of Corregidor in Manila Bay in the Philippine Islands. This flow of information by Morse code from Army station WVDM on Corregidor was received in Darwin at station WVJK from where it was retransmitted to the American and Australian Air Force station WTJJ at Laverton in Melbourne, Victoria. At this southern location, the information was again retransmitted, this time to Army Station WTJ at Fort Shafter in Hawaii for onward transmission to the continental United States. The Darwin Station was operated by the United States Army Corps as part of ACAN and it was in use for somewhere around four years. The original call sign, WVJK, was part of the Army WVJ network of stations in the Pacific, though subsequently the call was changed to WVLD. A listing of the American ACAN communication stations in Australia shows the following six American call signs in alphabetical order. First, there was WTJJ, which was co-sited with the Royal Australian Air Force Station VJP with 1 kW at Laverton in Victoria. Then there were four stations in the WVJ network, WVJJ, WVJK, WVJL and WVJM. WVJJ was at the Redlands Bay Golf Course in Brisbane, Queensland. WVJK, operated by the US Navy, was at Darwin in the Northern Territory. WVJL was adjacent to AWA medium wave station 4TO in Townsville, Queensland. And WVJM, a US Army station, was at Hemant in Queensland. And finally, WVLD, which was the new call for the original WVJK located at Darwin in the Northern Territory. We should also mention that American personnel under ACAN Direction installed two decoy transmitters that were on the air with dummy radio traffic in 1944 in an endeavour to confuse Japanese monitoring posts. Both transmitters were rated at 7.5 kilowatts. One was installed at a now unknown location near Perth in Western Australia, probably in the US Navy base at Fremantle and the other was installed in Darwin, again probably at the US naval headquarters east of the city. Now, in addition to the ACAN communication network stations, there was also a need for radio programming for the benefit of American personnel in transition in Australia. Experienced American programming personnel were appointed to the studios of ABC 4QR in Brisbane and ABC 2FC in Sydney for the local production of suitable programming for American listeners. Among their first duties was the distribution of recordings containing American programming to the ABC network and commercial medium wave stations throughout Australia. In charge with this awesome responsibility were two American Army officers, Captain Hal Berger and Captain William Tidwell. Captain Hal Berger was previously a sports announcer on medium wave in California, and Captain William Tidwell served subsequently at AFRS medium wave stations in the Pacific. The local American programming that was produced in the ABC 4QR studios in Brisbane was broadcast over medium-wave 4QR at Board Hills with 1kW on 940kHz and also by the 10kW ABC regional shortwave station VLQ at Board Hills. The local American programming that was produced in the ABC 2FC studios in Sydney was broadcast over medium wave two FC at Liverpool with ten kilowatts on six ten kilohertz. Back to you, Jeff. Thank
0: you, Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles. We have a further update on the impact of Typhoon Mawar in the Pacific. Jose Jacob in India says that two transmitters of KSDA Adventist World Radio Guam were noted on the air on June seventh at ten thirty UTC. It was on 15,450 and 17,720 kilohertz, and at 1100 UTC on 11,855 five, and 15,210 kilohertz. The frequency of 15,500 zero, zero kilohertz was absent. Then on June 11th and 12th, Joe says, my monitoring observations now indicate that KSDA Guam is off the air again. Some of their antennas were damaged in the recent cyclone there, but two of the three scheduled transmitters were noted back shortly thereafter for some days. Wavescan was absent during the last two Sundays, he said, at 1530 UTC on 15670 kHz. Meanwhile, KTWR Transworld Radio Guam, which was off the air from the 23rd of May, due to antenna damages of Cyclone Mawar, was noted back on the air by Jose Jacob on June 9th. One transmitter, he said, is noted on air between 1100 and 1600 UTC on various frequencies at different times. 15310, 12160, 9975, 11590, and 9900 kilohertz in various languages. Meanwhile, TWR is using relays from other sites to broadcast programs of KTWR that were affected. For example, via Dubai in the United Arab Emirates at 1100 UTC on 21735 kilohertz, via Reach Beyond Australia at ten hundred UTC on 11965 kilohertz, via Tashkent, Uzbekistan, at 1245 UTC, on 13740 kHz, and via Dushanbe, Tajikistan, at 1400 UTC, on 9325 kHz. By the way, Joe says all these broadcasts give an identification as KTWR Guam. He said it was interesting that on June 7th, at 1100 to 1130 UTC on 11965 kHz, there was a continuous announcement in English that KTWR programs are not available on this frequency and asking listeners to retune to 21735 kHz. This was not heard on following days. Here's a recording that he sent us. Yes,
1: the we
0: look forward to welcoming you on 21735 kilohertz
2: at 13 meters. Please get to 21735 kilohertz at 15 meters. Thank you. This podcast from Transworld Video has temporarily changed frequency. We look forward to welcoming you on 21735 kilohertz at 13 meters. Please keep tuning to 119.965 kHz at 15
0: meters. Thank you. Jose Jacob says that 11965 kHz is via Reach Beyond Australia and 217.35 kHz is via the United Arab Emirates. And on 217.35 kHz, Joe's heard the DXers Diary Program at 1100 UTC with a SINPO rating of 55555. Well, last week we had uh, the first part of the conversation with Alan Graham, the former host of the DX Party Line on shortwave station H C J B, in Quito, Ecuador. Alan came to visit us here in Okeechobee recently, and we brought him into the Wavescan studio. Here's part two of our conversation. Okay, so in 2009, or when the shortwave shut down, except for 6050, um, you continued with. Uh, AM and FM in Quito, is that right?
2: Actually, we brought AM to a close. I do not remember what year that was. Mm -hmm. And that was basically a budget decision because the AM, we're broadcasting with 50,000 watts. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's quite a light bill at the (laughs) end of the month. Because we used to have the hydroelectric plant um, in a town called Papajacta, Um, there's actually a way that we could... Um, Basically, we fed the national grid and then we could pull that off of there without – we paid like transportation costs is what they called it. Um, But again, because of uh, laws that changed within Ecuador, we could no longer continue to operate um, that hydroelectric facility, Uh, so that went over and was sold.
0: Ah, so FM continued in Quito. That's correct. And still does. That's correct. And you had FM in Guayaquil also.
2: Yes. In fact, our FM station in Guayaquil just celebrated its 50th anniversary on November oh. 1st of last year.
0: That's HCJB 2.
2: Correct. We were very creative uh, when we selected the call letters for the station. I say we. I wasn't there. Uh, I, I didn't even know where Ecuador was in 1972 (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, when they applied for the FM frequencies in uh, in Ecuador they actually applied for a frequency because FM was still basically new in the early 70s for for Ecuador and they applied for a frequency for Quito as well as for Guayaquil thinking that the license would come through for Quito first And we're gearing up to do that, and then all of a sudden it comes through for Guayaquil and the um, staff at the time, because I've I've read the books and talked to the people who were there, then had to make a mad rush (laughs) to be able to find a place and people with whom we could work in Guayaquil and made it on the air. They have to be on the air by November 1st. And um, from talking to the person who was the very first director of the station, he said they made it on by about 1030 that evening, (laughs) thanks to Herb J. <laughs> Jacobson, who was the engineer working at the time.
0: Ah, yes, I remember her. Um, so, but now you are the current director of ATJB2, right? That's correct. Okay. Um, but when when the short waves basically went off, what did you do then? Um,
2: I was already working in an area of radio training, uh, so I was involved in going to um, different countries, mostly in Latin America, uh, working with small stations with folks who um, were doing it rather um, flying by the seat of their pants, what they heard on other stations, and trying to copy that. And when you realize that a lot of people at some of the commercial stations also had not training, a copy of a bad copy is not a very <laughs> good copy. So uh, we had a group of um, Communicators, broadcasters uh, from different Christian radio stations throughout Latin America that we developed as a team, and we would uh, do training. So I did that for, for a number of years, even had the opportunity uh, through Reach Beyond or when we were still as HCJB World Radio or even HCJB Global uh, to do training in parts of Southeast Asia, Africa, and other places. I don't even remember where all I've been. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, uh, you were based for a while in Spain, right, because we visited you there.
2: That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, was in Spain um went there in early two thousand seventeen and um, left there in September of two thousand twenty. By the mission I was asked to go for a year, ended up being there a year three and a half years. Um so I, I think our accounting department might have challenges there with the numbers, but no. Uh so I was there for three and a half years, um and then had the opportunity to be able to go back to Ecuador and the position was open again at the station in Guayaquil and that's where I am. Uh-huh. The
0: the uh Location still exists there in, in Spain? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. It's so a, a local station, right? That's correct
2: uh, Radio, Vida.
0: Radio Vida, and it's in a place called La Línea. Correct. Which la- is right on the borderline between uh, uh, Spain and, and Gibraltar.
2: Correct, mm-hmm. and it's actually La Línea de la Concepción, which is a name much bigger than the actual town itself <laughs> uh, but it is It's uh, Uh, a line right um, between Spain and Gibraltar Uh, it's a rather interesting um, border when you cross over because you're immediately at the, the runway and so they actually have to stop Uh, traffic, foot traffic, as well as vehicular traffic, so that planes can land or take off.
0: (laughs) Well, I I don't know if you you knew the story, but after we visited you in La Linea, we were actually on a a cruise at the time, and the cruise ship was stopped in Gibraltar, and um, we were coming back across the border from Spain to Gibraltar, and then uh, we were delayed in customs and so on, and then we were getting close to the cruise ship, but you have to cross that runway. And there was a plane coming in or going out. I don't remember. And they closed it, so we we almost missed our cruise. Oh my goodness! <laughs> they were calling our name on the loudspeakers when we got there. Oh,
2: public humiliation!
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But very interesting. Uh, um, so okay, so you're you're back to uh, Ecuador again. For those who weren't uh, all that familiar with Ecuador. Um, Guayaquil is the second largest city uh, in Ecuador, right? You didn't study
2: for this test, Jeff. Guayaquil is the largest city. Ah, bigger Quito. than Quito. Quito is the capital, and I think that's why it's best known and considered <laughs> to be the largest city. But Guayaquil is actually larger, and we are the more financial capital, if you will if you will
0: okay and quito is way up on a mountain and 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 guayaquil is on the coast very hot right
2: yes it's very much like (laughs) the uh, the weather i'm experiencing here in orlando area Um, yes uh, guayaquil um, it's actually an inland port So it's still an hour and a half from there to actually get to the beach if you want to Mm. go to the the ocean. Um, And then Quito is at 9,300 feet or 2,800 meter elevation in the middle of the Andes mountain chain. So it's an oxygen-deprived city. Uh
0: Uh-huh. But you like uh, Guayaquil. I I love Guayaquil. Mm -hmm. And you you love Ecuador, I know. And and I
2: do (laughs) love Ecuador. I don't necessarily like the heat, but God does have a (laughs) sense of humor. So. I'm in yeah. Guayaquil.
0: <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, so uh, HCJB2, what kind of programming does it broadcast?
2: Um, well, we are a Christian radio station. Uh, we do have some of the Bible teaching programs, early morning, late hours, and then from eight thirty in the morning until seven o'clock in the evening. Uh, then we are we're live. We have our on-air hosts um, that. Um, are with the programs it's a um, mix of music some interviews uh, comments between the hosts uh, we do a lot of interaction by whatsapp uh, with our listeners and uh, we have a lot of fun probably too much fun some days <laughs> um, and uh, it's really a great team to work with it's a young team the average age of on our, our on-air team is 31 uh, mm. don't throw in the administrative team we really mess up that number <laughs> um, but it's it's a really really fun team to work with and I'm I'm quite blessed to be able to do so.
0: And and is are you still part of Reach Beyond? Yes, so
2: I'm technically a Reach Beyond missionary on loan to Asociación Rosandés Media which operates HCJB2. Uh Uh-huh. So, no problems with identity
0: crisis. (laughs) Now, I never visited the uh, transmitter site in PIFO, but I did visit the uh, studios in in Quito two or three times. Yes. And uh, I remember right across the street was the Hospital Bosandes, which was owned by HCJB. Correct. Is that still there? Uh,
2: No. Well, it's still there. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of big, a little hard to move. (laughs) Um, It's still there. But it is now separate from what was HCJB. And again, that was based on uh, government laws that changed in terms of, of healthcare providers within the country.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and didn't you also have a hospital down in the jungle somewhere?
2: Correct. And um, it was also Hospital Andes, but that was El Oriente, or the jungle, where it's the other one is Hospital Hospitalos Andes Quito. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that is in Shell, Ecuador, um, was actually closed for a while. Um, that was because there, when it first opened, there were no real medical facilities in that area. And then with the government having uh, put in a very nice hospital in the city of Puyo, which is about... 20 minutes away from from Shell, where the hospital was, there really was no longer that need. And therefore, the number of patients coming in, and even though the charges were very small, um, really could not sustain itself. So the decision was made to close it. It was closed for several years, which when I would go back to that area, it was very sad personally to see that. because. I I'd, I'd done hospital visits there and been with patients and so it was very difficult to see that yeah. uh, but and then about 2 or 3 years ago now maybe it's been uh, a German uh, foundation came in and reopened that hospital yeah. to continue services there so it's back uh, functioning, and don't ask me what the name is.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and the name of Shell is an interesting name for a city in Ecuador, but that that has an interesting story, right?
2: Right, and I bet you can guess where that came from—the Shell Oil Company <laughs> uh, when they began oil exploration in the area.
0: Uh huh. So, um, y- you for the last uh, what several years that you were um, at HCJB when it was on shortwave. Uh, in Quito you hosted the DX program there
2: correct um, DX party line um, a program that had aired for a number of years I remember doing a special program and we did the 50th anniversary I had um, pieces of audio um, and from interviews I did with various hosts uh, during that that time of course The person who had it the longest was Clayton Howard, a very very well-known name uh, from HCJB and from the DX party line. Um, And I know when I took up that responsibility and I had to record that first program, it was like, this is a lot of pressure. (laughs) Because (laughs) it was one of the lead programs we had in our shortwave lineup.
0: Yeah, Clayton and Helen Howard were, were good friends. Uh, they, in fact, attended, um, or at least Clayton did, I, I think Helen also, uh, one of our first uh, shortwave club meetings in Chicago many, many years ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
2: And, of course, um, Chuck Howard and his oh, yeah. wife, uh, Chuck being one of uh, Clayton and Helen's uh, sons, uh, retired. Um, actually, though, he's still very much involved in the ministry in Ecuador. Um, lives there some of his children and grandchildren are there um so some of us have been in ecuador a long time stay in ecuador
0: and that was alan graham of hcjb2 in guayaquil ecuador we'll have the third part of that conversation next week on wave scan well we end wave scan today with some more music from New Caledonia in the South Pacific. The group is Hayarison, and the song is Notre Monde, or Our World, a little bit of a reggae beat. Thanks for listening to Wavescan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio, researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson. Next week, the Himalayan Kingdom of Bhutan flying into their difficult airport. And the early radio scene. Also, the American shortwave scene in 1929. Several QSL cards are available for this program. WaveScan is heard weekly on KSDA in Guam, AWR relays in various locations, WRMI in Florida, WWCR in Tennessee, KVOH in California, Voice of Hope Africa in Zambia, and IRRS Italy send reception reports directly to the station you're listening to. Reports for KSDA and AWR sites should go to qsl at awr.org. Other correspondence, not reception reports, can be sent to wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. Till next week, good listening, everyone.